special treat for you guys today. Mickey and I are doing a drive-in podcast series over on Patreon going through 12 movies from 1995 that kind of impacted us. And the first one we did out of the box was Tommy Boy. And uh, we are going to make it available to you for free. And we're also going to make it available for free on Patreon that episode. And, uh, man, it was so much fun to record and, and such a great way to kick off talking about movies from that year, Mick. Yeah, the whole list of movies from 95. We could have talked about 24, 36, 48 movies in 95, but we got down to 12. And there's no way Tommy Boy couldn't have been in the top 12 of our favorite movies from that year. So Right. And uh, just the recent news of Brian Dennehy passing away, too. Um, such a great part in that movie. Not necessarily a huge part. Uh, you think of that movie and think of him and uh, not that much screen time. But it's such an impact. And really, I can't picture anybody else playing Tommy Boy's dad. You know, no. Just a fun movie. And uh, so we are going to do you a solid for following us, for listening to us. And let you listen to that first episode right here in the podcast feed. And I uh, invite you to go ahead and go over to Patreon, too. Um, if you like the show and like what you're hearing this week, go over to patreon.com slash the retro network and support us. Get some extra podcasts, get some extra written features by Mick. And uh, we would sure appreciate that. So uh, Jason here for Mickey. Enjoy Tommy Boy. Holy shnikes. Is that for me? No, son, that's for me. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of people go to college for seven years. I know. They're called doctors. There's always has been, always will be a family firm. Oh, son of a... Someday my son will run it. No. Luke, I am your father. Hello. Aw, I've interrupted happy time. That's my name! Yeah, that's your new office now. Whoa! Do we really want to put the future of the company in Tommy's hands? Promise me you'll look after Tommy Boy here till he gets his feet wet. Sure, and thanks for choosing me. Hey, Tommy, this is not a vacation for me. I'm out here against my will, so the least you can do is pretend to work. Ugh, I can actually hear you getting fatter. All right, it's sale time, so remember, we don't take... No for an answer. No. Okie dokie. I'm gonna pass. Gotcha, thanks. Oh, son of a... That's gonna leave a mark. Okay, let's check you out. All right. <laughs> it's a clip on. Hi, are you sure? He's a big dumb animal, isn't he, folks? No, son of a... What'd you do? Did you eat a lot of paint chips when you were a kid? <laughs> Why? Good evening, folks. 
and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. There are always wonderful new pictures to see, delightful snacks to nibble, a gay, pleasant evening for all. We hope you have a wonderful time. Five, four, three, two, one, showtime! After his beloved father dies, dim-witted Tommy Callahan inherits a near-bankrupt automobile parts factory in Sandusky, Ohio. The remaining company leadership wants to cash out and sell to the competing auto parts company king, Ray Zelensky. But Tommy's sentimental attachment to his father's employees spurs him to make one last-ditch effort to find someone who will buy their products. With his father's tightly wound assistant Richard in tow... Tommy hits the road to scare up some new clients and save the factory. Welcome to TRN Drive-In 95, a podcast series celebrating the 25th anniversary of 12 movies from 1995. You have Jason here. Mickey is also here. Good morning. And our first selection, as you heard from the trailer and the plot, is Tommy Boy. Can't wait to dive into this one, Mick. I've dove into this one so many times. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, great. Uh, it's always just one that uh, I can watch a thousand times and laugh a thousand times. There's so many great bits in the in the whole movie. But before we get into the movie, I wanted to first, Mick, talk a little bit about the Drive-In 95 series and how we kind of determine the selections and what we'll be going through here over on Patreon. So we kind of landed on 1995, I guess, just based on a, a nice round year 25 years ago and all these mm -hmm. movies. And what we're going to do is Mick chose six and I chose six. We know those selections and we kind of hashed that out basically to start running through the entire releases of uh, 1995. But we don't know the order yet. We're just going to kind of go as we feel led throughout the year each month and... Uh, I thought we'd start off on a fun note. Tommy Boy was one of my picks. It might have been one of yours, too, because I know we had some crossover there, and then we uh, kind of separated them out. But it's going to be a fun mix of movies. It's not all just the top you know, 12 movies of the year. It's some that are a little bit off the rails, I guess you'd say. Yeah, because some of those top 12 movies of the year I've still not really watched yet, which would probably be a good excuse to do them. <laughs> but, True. Uh, I know there's a couple on your list that we'll be covering that I've not seen. So it gives me mm -hmm. uh, an excuse and a reason to go back and watch them. And then the ones I picked on my list, I've seen them all multiple, multiple times and, and love them. So, yeah. you know, our, like I said, they're not the top 12. These are uh, mine and your picks. And some of them were uh, maybe quirky is not the word for it, but they're movies we love for our own reasons. And I'm sure That's a lot right. of people like them, too. Yeah, there's uh, at least one on your list I have not seen and one I'd care to forget. But uh, And I'm sure there's <laughs> kind of that same same feeling for some of the picks that I chose as well. So it's going to be fun That's to kind of go through here and, and get our different opinions on, on these movies. You know, on your list, uh, the ones I haven't seen, I'm interested to see. So that's a good thing. You just got one on your list, a movie I absolutely can't stand. So I look forward <laughs> to going through it. But yeah. It's going to be real uh, fun, but we just, uh, yeah, we're just going to kind of go month to month and choose the ones that we kind of feel like watching again and, and hope you will watch along with us, leave your feedback so we can include that in each podcast. 
And we've got some great feedback along the way, too. Uh, very nice response to Christmas Vacation and to Planes, Trains, and Automobiles that we released in the normal feed. And we're excited just to kind of go through these movies. And it's going to be the same format, same kind of categories that Mick came up with mainly. And uh, those little interesting ones, you know, who who stole the movie in a minor role. And we talk a little bit about, uh, you know, all the behind-the-scenes stuff, facts, and anything we can dig up to kind of make it a fun podcast for everybody to listen to. So. It's going to be a fun ride, man. I'm, I'm anxious to get this first one out of the way, but at the same and time, I, I still want to savor it too. <laughs> yeah. And if you're listening to this, it means you're listening to it on Patreon, and this is exclusive to you, the patrons. That's right. Yeah, we appreciate you guys coming on and supporting us. You know, we've talked about before, this is just not money that we pocket. We want to go ahead and spread that as best we can throughout the the network uh you know our staff and some of their ambitions even some people outside the network if they came to us and say hey we're looking to start up a show or whatever you know that's money that we can kind of spread and also help uh you know pay for our annual costs for the podcast hosting website uh domain fees you know there's all kinds of stuff that come along when you're trying to build something like we are. So we do appreciate you guys coming on and, and supporting us in the corporate world. This would be called seed money. <laughs> We're seeding other <laughs> That's projects. Right. That's right. So Tommy boy. Oh gosh. Tommy boy. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the movie in general and we'll dive into some specifics like the scenes and favorite quotes and all that uh, going forward. But of course it stars Chris Farley and David Spade Featuring Brian Dennehy as uh, Tommy's dad. Julie Warner, who plays, uh, I guess, Tommy's love interest, you could say. Uh, Bo Derek and Rob Lowe. Of course, uh, Tommy's stepmother, stepbrother. And Dan Aykroyd as uh, Ray Zielinski, the auto, what is he? The auto parts king of the Midwest or something. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was directed by Peter Seagal. It was actually his second film. His first one, I believe, was Naked Gun 33 and a third. Uh, he also has uh, directed three Adam Sandler movies, Anger Management, The Longest Yard, and 51st Dates. He also directed the Get Smart, I guess you would say, reboot in 2008. And he's got a new film actually coming out this year called My Spy, starring... Dave Bautista, which is uh, like a family action comedy. He's a James Bond kind of spy, and there's a little girl, I think, that kind of comes along for the ride. I'm not sure if it's his daughter or, or what, but uh, that is set for March 13th, a release date for this year. So, uh, yeah, he's been uh, been around for a long time in the directing business. Cool say. Um, he's got some street cred with all those movies. That's right. That's right. The uh, Tommy Boy was written by Bonnie and Terry Turner, who were staff writers for Saturday Night Live from 86 to 92. They also did Third Rock from the Sun, uh, that 70s show, that 80s show, the two Wayne's World movies, Coneheads, and the Brady Bunch movie. They're wow. all credited with uh, writing. But the more research I did, they actually are not the what I would call true writers of the movie. They did maybe a third of it, and the rest of it was left to 
Fred Wolf, who is uncredited, and he was brought in for several script rewrites, and he added about 60 pages to the film, according to him. And the director, uh, Peter Seagal, said they were writing scenes every night during shooting and that they didn't have a firm ending when the film began. <laughs> but wow. uh, Fred Wolf was brought in. He was actually uh, an SNL writer from 91 to 97. And he's also worked on Black Sheep, Dirty Work, both Joe Dirt movies, and both Grown Ups movies he was involved with. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so he as much as I would say two-thirds was written on the fly, uh, the director would call Wolf with help for scenes like at the gas station when uh, Rob Lowe was hosing off Chris Farley, Wolf told him to add the little flash dance reference in there. So it's just, it's amazing to me that you can essentially do a movie on the fly. You got an overall concept, but trying to get from scene to scene, it must have been chaos, you know. Uh, and then you got, you got somebody who would be great at improv and Chris Farley and David Spade too. I'm sure they had a little input into that as it went along, just guessing as an outsider looking in, I'm sure Farley threw in all kinds of stuff. They didn't expect. They're like, we love it. Let's shoot it. Yeah. We'll get into some of that in the, in the facts and stuff too. Some of the just bits that they were talking and just in, you know, lunches or dinners. <laughs> hey, this would be good. And it's in that, uh, there's a, a, a couple references too. I can, tell you uh, towards the end of the podcast of where I got some information and everything, but they did have a lot of that that they came up with too and included in the movie. And uh, of course it was produced by Lauren Michaels, the uh, creator, longtime producer of Saturday night live. And this was the height of kind of that Saturday night live movie, you know, Wayne's world, just what we mentioned there before, you know, like cone, we got a Coneheads movie of all things and <laughs> the stock for, SNL actors and spinoffs into movies were, were very high in the early mid nineties. But so, most of them didn't really hit it with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Love the characters on the show. And then I think part of that was the characters were very palatable in five minute chunks. That's right. Not in 90 minute chunks. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a few that hit home. Like Wayne, the original Wayne's world was great, but, um, yeah, I think you're right. It was just kind of, how much can we milk out of Saturday Night Live? <laughs> Would this work? Okay, this might work, and yeah, go for it. But So that was that. So how old of a movie is this for you? When was your first watch? Do you remember? I watched it on VHS when it was a new video release. So I didn't see it in theater, but I probably seen it the first week it was out for rental. Okay. Watched it with... My mom and dad, I knew they would like it because, you know, we didn't have a lot in common as far as movie tastes go, but a good comedy we all liked. So I rented it and watched it with them. And uh, it's still one of my mom's favorite movies. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theater. I actually have many, many, many movie stubs from kind of the 94 to 96 era that I kept. And I went through my little stack. I could not find a, a Tommy Boy stub, but I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theater and then just rented the crap out of it when it came to home video. Uh, <laughs> saw it very, very early on. Um, so uh, just thinking about the legacy of the movie and, you know, since Chris Farley's passed away, when somebody 
mentions Chris Farley to me, I think I immediately go either to Tommy Boy or to Matt Foley, the motivational speaker. You know, <laughs> yeah, my, mind, my mind goes to Matt Foley first, yeah. uh, but then Tommy Boy and Black Sheep are right behind it for sure. Yeah, it's just, you know, embedded in his legacy of uh, acting. And I don't have any traditional viewings of Tommy Boy, but when I do break it out, it's always back to back with Black Sheep. You know, I, I have to watch them back to back. I have a, a DVD actually copy with both of them on there. So it's easy to go from one to the other, but I, I have to watch them both. Now, it the cultural impact of the movie, it did have a soundtrack album, which I had never listened to or, or even knew existed, um, which was strange because a lot of those comedies in the 90s, uh, the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack, that connected with me, but I uh, did not realize that you know, Tommy Boy had a, an official soundtrack release. And there's some great music throughout the uh, movie, you know, a lot when they're in that scene on the highway when they're just, uh, you know, singing karaoke almost. Windshield karaoke, as I would call it. But um, <laughs> there is some great uh, alternative bands and songs uh, throughout uh, some of the transition shots and stuff. So if you want to check it out, go check it out. It's a, actually a pretty good album. I, I went and listened to it in preparation for the show, actually. Um, but, you know, you and I, we have a, a kind of legacy with it where we've both got uh, Tommy Boy t-shirts. You've told me you've got the Callahan Auto t-shirt, you know. Yeah. And I've got one with him in his hard hat saying he's got cat-like speed and reflexes. I love wearing that thing. And they've done some fun stuff over the years. They actually released a die-cast car of uh <laughs> that poor car <laughs> um have not picked that up but it's funny i think it's uh green light is the name of the company that does all these movie cars and they've gone deep in uh some of these like b or c level movies you would say to to get some die cast cars but i think that's fun that they uh and they've made large scale cars as well so it's it's fun that when they kind of dig deep and you see that blue Plymouth, you know, on the shelf, or, or you know, when you're digging online for diecast collectors. It's one thing that stuck out to me too, which was funny, kind of speaking culturally, or the, you know, '95 in general, was those automatic seat belts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one scene when uh, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but the one scene when Rob Lowe is trying to shoot, what is he trying to? Oh, he's trying to shoot out the truck tire, and that automatic seatbelt catches him ends up shooting up in the air and oh gosh i, I was like yeah i remember automatic seatbelts in cars <laughs> weird stuff like that you know when you're watching the movie but anyway let's go on to some facts and uh, stats about the movie it was released march 31st 1995 rated now this is weird from what I read, it says PG-13, but my DVD says PG. So I, there's a little <laughs> difference there uh, of what it's actually rated. But anyway, it was a runtime of uh, an hour and 37 minutes. There was two other wide releases that day when Tommy Boy came out. Tank Girl, starring Lori Petty and Naomi Watts, Ice-T, and Malcolm McDowell. Never seen Tank Girl. Me either. Was not my cup of tea. I knew what it was from, you know, because it was based on a comic book property. And mm -hmm. that kind of had me excited, but I, I just never, never went and saw it. 
The other one that was released that day was Born to be Wild, starring Will Horneff, Helen Shaver, and Peter Boyle. Another one I have never seen. I'm not even sure I know of that one. Uh, Tommy Boy kind of shares a moment from 95, shares a, a, a tragic event, actually. That same day was the day that the singer Selena was found murdered. Oh, March wow. March 31st, 1995. So those two are tied together in, in that manner. But the box office stats, uh, the budget from what I read for Tommy Boy is $20 million. And it would go on to make $32.6 million overall in a 39-week run in the theater. It opened number one, bringing in $8 million that first week. And it, those numbers just seem so low compared to what we see today. If this movie was released now in, in the social media age and people could see the trailers and stuff, that movie would do gangbusters. Yeah, I, I would probably say so. Uh, you know, just with the, the reach that we have now to more people, but even with the, you know, the SNL factor at that time, opening at number one was still, I think pretty good, especially on a movie that <laughs> they didn't have a full script when they started, you know, um, right. but it actually beat out outbreak, uh, major pain, Dolores Claiborne, the Brady Bunch movie and a lingering Forrest Gump, which had been in the theater for 39 weeks. Those were your other, uh, top six below Tommy boy. When it was released. And as far as video sales go, I read a quote that uh, associate producer Michael Ewing said they were working on a special 10th anniversary edition of the DVD. So this was around 2005 at Paramount. And they told him that DVD sales of the movie were in the top 10 all time at Paramount at that 10 year mark. So it did gangbusters in the home video market. And it's it remained, you know, top 10, 10 years later. That's pretty crazy to think <laughs> about. Um, the initial feedback was mainly poor <laughs> from critics, as far as that goes. Really? Yes. Well, uh, from critics, okay, yeah, never mind. Two thumbs down from Siskel and Ebert. And here, let's get uh, Roger Ebert's take on this. Tommy Boy is one of those movies that plays like an explosion down at the screenplay factory. <laughs> Which you, I guess... You know, you can tell that more than than I can from watching it. But you can almost picture a bewildered office boy, his face smudged with soot, wandering through the ruins and rescuing pages at random. Too bad they didn't mail them to the insurance company instead of filming them. (laughs) Oh, man. And it is on Ebert's most hated list, which was compiled in 2005. That's crazy. (laughs) That's That's just him being a hater. I don't see that. You know, it's weird. It, I know I'm not. I'm no film critic, and I don't really care about the way it's shot and continuity, all that, unless it's really obvious. But obviously, he saw more than I did watching the movie and just enjoying, you know, from scene to scene. Well, uh, I think you get like people in his position. I think you get to the point where you can't just enjoy a movie for what it is, and Something like this, I think, really hammers that point home. How could you, anybody, sit down and just watch Tommy Boy with innocent eyes and not have a good time? Right. You know, you don't always have to look at it through a critical lens. I mean, but he does. Enjoying for what it's worth. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's still crazy. Most hated list. Wow. Uh, It did win one award. 
Farley and Spade actually won the MTV Movie Award for Best On-Screen Duo in 96, the following year. So I guess that probably took into factor that and Black Sheep. Because hmm. I think Black Sheep came out in 90, I think it was 96. So, and yeah, then, it was pretty uh, close. Bo Derek was actually nominated for a Razzie Award for Worst Supporting Actress. <laughs> It's funny because she's not; she doesn't have that many lines in the movie. It's not like she's a, a a huge character in there. She's got that one main entrance that you're just you know eyes wide open, but there's not a lot of dialogue, not a lot of scenes with her. So I don't know. <laughs> Take that for what it's worth. All right. Well, we went through the awards. Let's start giving out some of our own awards. What do you say? All righty. Favorite scene in the movie. I've got so many nominations, man. So uh, I'm just going to run through these real quick, and then we'll come back, and and you can add yours, and we'll circle back and go a little bit more in depth here. I'm going to nominate what I'm calling the wedding dance through the funeral Mm -hmm. of Big Tom. Good pick. Uh, (laughs) That, it takes a turn there, because they're just on such a high at the wedding. They're going through that song. It's so great, you know, and then big Tom collapses and you get that wonderful shot. It's probably the best, my favorite shot of the movie of them all leaning in towards him, looking at him. And then when they lean up, they're at the funeral, you know, it's just such a cool transition there. And then you get the whole, they're on the, the lowest of the low of the movie. It's so quick. Uh, so that's one that I'm nominating. Um, in the dinghy with Michelle, <laughs> the burning car sales pitch. <laughs> when they're in the uh, <laughs> that salesman and, and Tommy goes through his whole uh, spiel with uh, lighting that car on fire. Um, the gas station scene with the door of the car. Yeah. Oh, yes. At, I'm going to call this one at the diner with Helen, which is when they're talking about that, and he does that 180 with the her heating up the wings for him. Mm-hmm. Um, the the, uh, the quick one where Tommy is pissing behind the car. Yes, <laughs> I have been through that many times. <laughs> well, I ain't gonna say many times. I have been through that, and I have done it to other people. So, uh, I got a I got a few more. Uh, the bees in the car trick. <laughs> the airplane safety demo. <laughs> He's a big uh, dumb animal, folks. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and then right after that, Tommy in the airplane bathroom. <laughs> and then I'm just going to call this, uh, well, this is more of a sequence, but this is when Tommy's on the news and the guy who buys the brake pads from him turns to the cartoons and then they cut to the diner and the waitress is like, you want this or American gladiators? And they're like gladiators. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of that whole sequence there. Any other ones you want to throw in? No, I think you hit all the, all the eye points <laughs> Sorry. there. Sorry. Well, no, I, did you, God, did my mind just miss it? Or the scene at the hotel? Well, actually two of no. them. Yeah, the, I did. the one with the girl in the pool, and then when mm-hmm. uh, he's doing the uh, the housekeeping bit. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, yeah. Did not include those two. Those are those are good as well. There's just so many, man, and, and 
I'd laugh at all of them. I mean, when he's out there in the dinghy, <laughs> hey, quit playing with your dinghy. Uh, and then those kids come up, you know, hey, you got a fat whale in your boat. And I and swear to God, your mother will cry when she sees what I've done to you. And she's the one, and he's like, that was awesome, you know? Oh. <laughs> uh, well, uh, did, like I said, did my mind miss it? Or did you bring up the scene walking through the factory with his dad, Big Tom? Because I think he started at the wedding right after that. But yeah, when no, Tom comes home from college and taking the tour of the plant and getting his office and everything, I thought that was a really good sequence, too. Yeah. You got cat-like reflexes. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then playing with the, uh, the filter and it goes flying, whatever. <laughs> nice and playing, and yeah. playing with the fan. Luke. Luke, <laughs> I am your father. <laughs> hey, nice fridge. We could keep six packs of soda in here. <laughs> Candy bars in the freezer. Yeah. It's called reading. <laughs> Top, bottom, left, right. Group words to form a sentence. Yeah. Uh, the, I don't know. It's coming down to a few here. The, the sales pitch when he lights the car on fire, you know. <laughs> You're driving along, you're driving along, and I can't stop. Boom, there's a cliff. Boom, you know, and <laughs> oh my God, we're burning alive. And here comes the paddy wagon. Oh my God, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All because you want to save a few you know, pennies on brake pads. Get out. <laughs> you validate. Yeah, you validate. Uh, uh -oh. That one's great. Um, I don't know. What are you leaning towards uh, as far as scenes? Well, I'm a, I'm, I guess it would be like a little collage of scenes because you, you brought up the one at the gas station with the door. But that whole uh, little sequence there set the stage really good for the type of movie we was about to see in the car where Richard is, is talking about, you know, how pristine the car is. And Tommy spills M&Ms in the heater vent and then they're at the gas station and he leaves the you don't know it till later, but he leaves the oil can under the hood, which causes problems later in the movie and the, breaking the door off and giving it the football tackle to stick it back on. And what you Richard, do? Yeah, that's where I was going <laughs> with that. And uh, I think a scene I don't know intentionally or unintentionally that paid homage to that was in the first hangover. When Zach Galifianakis' character is at the gas station and that old man's like, nice car. And he's like, don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Walk away, old man. <laughs> that, that scene, when I watch The Hangover and I see that scene, my mind goes right back to that scene in Tommy Boy. Uh -huh. But I, I think that whole sequence is one of my favorite because as somebody who, who grew up traveling a lot with my dad and me doing stupid stuff in the vehicle when he's not around and then trying to cover it up. I mean, Tommy was like in a, a supposedly adult version of me when I was 10 years old. And I just really connect with that scene. Cause I've done a lot of that stupid stuff. I spilt the milkshake down his heater vent when he was in the store <laughs> one time and managed to get up off the dash with the napkin, what could be seen. But later when you could smell it, he's just, he went on all day before I finally had to tell him because it was just getting rank <laughs> smelling that milk. And, yeah. Uh, so I can, oh. I can identify. I'm going to have to say that's my, my personal favorite scenes. I love it too. When Richard's in the store and the dude is, you know, sarcastically explaining the map and you can see Tommy <laughs> in the background, just shoving with all his might trying to get that door to go back. <laughs> it's so great. 
The two that made me laugh the most when I rewatched it here, definitely Tommy in the bathroom on the airplane, and just the that whole scene of him stuff falling on his head and he's banging, putting it back, you know, together, and he gets his tie caught in. The- <laughs> the toilet at the end and trying to get his you know clothes off and stuff and oh gosh that was so great and you know richard's on the outside shh you know quiet in there <laughs> uh that got me but i i think i'm going to give it to the bees in the car trick i was in tears watching that and you know they, they're driving along and <laughs> richard is drinking you know and i can't remember how they they jerked the wheel and the cops are behind him and he's like, there's a little trick my dad taught me and he starts driving all over the place and they get out bees oh they're everywhere they're ripping my flesh off you know and the the cops get out they're like i'm allergic i am too uh, roll around on the ground there son you know <laughs> he pops up holy shnikes it worked you know <laughs> oh, and i God. wonder how many people have tried that <laughs> right because of that yeah. yeah there was a bee in the car officer i swear uh, tommy boy never heard of it <laughs> right yeah so i think i'm going to do that that was just a fun uh fun scene even though there's there's just too many to really choose from they're all great uh favorite quote or line in the movie mick i've got uh i've got several here of course fat guy in a little coat mm-hmm even that as a scene is fun, but I did read that the singing part actually was not scripted and he was singing it, I guess one night. And it was a trick that he actually played backstage of like SNL when they were on break or something. <laughs> he would do fat guy in a little coat and he started uh, singing it or something. He's like, Oh, we got to put that in the scene. And once he started singing it, uh, that made it in there. Uh, Tommy saying son of a, yeah, that I was like ten times that. in the movie. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I have, I have taken that as my own through the years. Ever since then, and I, you know, yeah, of course, holy shnikes. Mm-hmm. According to the director, Farley had created this saying in childhood in light of his parents' strict rule against using profanity. So <laughs> that was Chris Farley. There, uh, we mentioned I've got cat-like speed and reflexes. Another one I use a lot. That's going to leave a mark. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, every time I hear somebody say John Hancock, I just want to say it's Herbie, Herbie Hancock. Hancock. <laughs> hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the last one I have brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. I've used that one a lot too in my life. <laughs> Dude, I've got a lot from this movie. I've there stolen is. a lot from Chris Farley. <laughs> Any on your side you want to throw in the mix? Yeah, the uh, at the hotel when he, he sucks his gut in. It's like, you know where the weight room is? <laughs> Housekeeping. Uh, Housekeeping, you want me fluff pillow? <laughs> well, you don't have to finish this this quote. <laughs> That's I've done that before too when you're at a hotel. You know, housekeeping. <laughs> um, trying to think of some other ones that th- those are the ones that just kind of immediately you go to Tommy boy. Um, what do you think for uh, giving the award out? Um, man, there are so many to choose from. Uh, I'm going to go with son of a, 
because I, I've probably used that more in my life. It stuck with me more and stuff like that sticks with you for a reason. And right. it was just had, it was great. So, and I'll throw in that other nomination too. Like I mentioned earlier, as far as the scenes go in the factory, when the crane is coming by and he's staring at Dan, he's like, I got cat like reflexes. Mm-hmm. I use that a lot too <laughs> in different places. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Uh, what were we doing? Oh, we were over here by the river and uh, down by the river. Yep, (laughs) not in the van though. Walking kind of precariously along, and my oldest is like, "Be careful!" I'm like, "I've got cat-like reflexes," (laughs) which is usually followed by slipping and stepping in the river, but it didn't on that day. So, I actually had cat-like reflexes that day. (laughs) Yeah, the other uh, another quote just came to mind: "Does this suit make me look fat?" No, your face does. <laughs> I won't have to start using that one. I have forgotten about that. Yeah, that one's great. And then, and then the whole thing when he's getting on Richard after the pull scene, you know, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite Bloody little rascal? Jacket? No, yeah, Alfalfa, or is it Spanky? <laughs> hey, pretty girl down there. I wonder if she goes out with one of the Yankees. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, so many great ones there. Comedian, buddy, whack it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that was all like ad-libbed or whatever. Um, I think I'm going to give it to Holy Shnikes. Um, I can see you using that a lot in your personal life. Yeah. (laughs) Especially when the kid's around. Yeah. You just break out Holy Shnikes and you save yourself from the real thing. (laughs) But yeah, when you... It's kind of synonymous with uh, Tommy Boy. Holy shnikes. Um, All right, here comes uh, some of our fun awards. Who stole the show in a minor role? Wow. I've got, well, and, you know, basically Chris Farley and David Spade were the headliners. So I guess outside of that, maybe you could choose anyone. Here's a couple from me. Young Tommy, at the very beginning of the movie, I just thought it worked great and he was fun when he you know is trying to catch up to the bus and the dog's chasing him and he lets out a holy shnikes and he runs into the the glass window and i think he uses son of a you know (laughs) so uh, just young tommy i thought was a fun character to include uh at the beginning of the movie um i would probably say dan Aykroyd too yeah that's a good pick is he? I mean, he came in at the end of the movie, and just uh, that whole persona that he <laughs> he has in the movie was fun, and just just I mean, it was perfect. He's just the the, the slick back hair, you know. He's trying to be the slime ball, and it worked. I thought. Uh, I I'm gonna have to say I, I don't know the character's name or the actor's name, but uh, one of the guys who works for his dad at the the one who's drunk at the wedding talking about his new wife, Beverly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Boy, would I like to get some of that? Yeah. I'm picking that dude <laughs> yeah. because that scene stayed with me like the rest of the movie. The first time I watched yeah. it, snickering to myself and uh, that's good. Yeah. And he, uh, he, he's at the, in a couple scenes at the, the board meeting there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, you're right. That's a great. Oh, you got a edit button on that? Come here, give me that, you little prick. Uh, <laughs> um, 
that was good. I'm, you know what? I'm going to also nominate just the car. <laughs> you know? That's a good one too. Yeah, I, I didn't think about that. That's good. Because every scene, you know, after it just starts, you losing the door and then you lose the roof thanks to the deer. And every scene that comes in, it's almost a scene stealer because you're looking at it like, okay, what's what's wrong with it now? And what did they do to try to fix it? You know, they t- like duct tape the roof back on. And uh, <laughs> there's like some kind of little <laughs> fence or something where the for the you know driver's door uh, towards the end of it. So. That's what we need. We need that car at the end of the movie as a die cast. That's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, you need you need a two pack. Right, right. Beginning and end. I don't know. What do you think? Any any other nominations you want to throw in there? Uh, no, I, I think you. I mean, the movie had a lot of minor characters, but we've about summed them all up. You know, yeah. my pick was a little off the wall, but. You know, for this award, a minor character still in the show, you got to have a little bit of screen time, but you're just not an, an essential part of the plot or one of right. the main actors. But uh, this movie was full of people. It was a great cast: Brian Dennehy and Bo Derek and Rob Lowe, and all used well. So it, it, this is a tough one. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna stick with my pick though. Just that <laughs> that one scene cemented that guy in my brain. I can see his face. In yeah. my mind's eye right now. I don't know his name, but I can still see his face because of that scene. And 25 years later, that's uh, pretty powerful. <laughs> okay. Ah, uh, what the hey? I'll pick the car. I'll pick the car as my, my minor role scene stealer. Gosh, that was so great. We've got some fun facts about that car and and that whole deer scene too coming up. Um, is there any other choice for MVP of the movie? No, no. Yeah, it's definitely gotta... David Spade. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> no, Chris Farley's just, this is Chris Farley's movie from beginning to end and for all of time. And nobody can go back and dispute that. Nobody with any actual common sense about him could even dispute that fact. Yeah, definitely agreed with that. Um, and poor David Spade, as great of an actor as David Spade is, of course, we, with hindsight, you know David Spade was the ultimate perfect straight man for Chris Farley to play off of. Right. And for as great as, as uh, Chris Farley was in all these movies, David Spade was equally great in his role. It's just his role was not cast to be as memorable as Chris Farley's role was. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, just his sarcasm is, it's so much fun and he delivers it perfectly, you know, and it's just at the right moment for Tommy boy to play off of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, your brain has a thick candy shell. <laughs> well, your, your brain has the shell on it. <laughs> you saying something? Shut up, Richard. You know, <laughs> it's just great. They, they perfectly complement each other. You know, it's, I, I do agree with you though. It's Chris Farley is not the peak without David Spade to, to push him there. Um, is this Chris Farley's best role? Ooh, Overall, I'm going to say no, because I'm very partial to Matt Foley, you know, in his whole yeah. career body of work. As far as a movie goes, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, it's exactly what I wrote down here. As far as a movie, it's got to be his best. The movie's named after him, you know, and the only other one that I could that could get close to that would, would be Matt Foley from SNL. So 
I'm definitely there with you on that. It's it's close. <laughs> yeah. What about David Spade? Is this his best role? And he kind of plays the same role in everything, doesn't he? Except for yeah, he like plays Joe David Spade. You know, he, <laughs> well, there you go. I had, did not think about that, so I'm gonna say no. I David Spade and Joe Dirt was was hitting the nail on the head. I don't think anybody else could have done that role as memorably as he did. So I'm gonna say no on David Spade that Joe Dirt was his best role. Okay. For me. I mean, he had some good ones on SNL too, like that receptionist, you know, and mm-hmm. you are, and you're here. Why? You know, and just that it, it's kind of the same role as <laughs> the sarcastic and, you know, the, being the uh, assistant in this movie. But as far as I'm concerned, I, I like him more in the movie roles for Tommy Boy and Black Sheep. Right. He, he's one of those people. He's like Nick Cage. He essentially just plays David Spade in everything he does. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, uh, to answer, was this Chris Farley's biggest moneymaker? It actually wasn't. He's had some minor roles in some other movies that have been a little bit bigger as far as number one would be Wayne's World. And number two is Wayne's World 2, actually. Uh, him being in those. Tommy Boy is number three. Black Sheep 4 and Beverly Hills Ninja is five. Uh, and Tommy Boy just beat out Black Sheep by only 300000 at the box office. So well, and I was, real close. I was going to say, uh, Tommy Boy un- really unleashed Chris Farley on the masses. So I would have thought that black sheep would have made more money than Tommy boy, just for the fact Tommy boy may be better, but people really became aware. And, you know, it's one of those things where like, Oh my gosh, I didn't know this person even existed. And then you see their next movie coming out and you're like, well, I'm definitely going to see that. Right. Right. I feel, you know, that residual after effect would have propelled black sheep higher above, but it's pretty cool. They're that close though. Yeah, I do agree. Uh, as far as David Spade goes, Tommy boy is not in his top five. His top five consists of the three Hotel Transylvania movies, because he's a voice actor in that. Uh, I I wouldn't count. I mean, you have to count it, I know, but like he wasn't one of the top two. He wasn't carrying Hotel Transylvania. That's an Adam Sandler movie. Well, just as far as being uh, credited and associated with a movie, those would be top, and then right behind those would be the two Grown Ups movies. Those are really big at the box office. But you know, I've never seen either one of those. I have not either. I I'm have not have to either. Watch. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, we talk about, is this Chris Farley's or David Spade's most critically acclaimed role? Well, I'm not sure they had one <laughs> to, <laughs> to really <laughs> compare. You know what I mean? I mean, right. all their movies are, if I had to, you know, guess, were all run through the ringer by the the critics. Um, well, then, for this episode, we could kind of change this category. Uh, is this their most iconic roles? I'm going to say for Chris Farley, yes. For David Spade, I would still say probably Joe Dirt, as, as far as movies go, is his most iconic role. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Um, it, it, nothing would top Tommy Boy as far as Chris Farley goes, but no. Yeah, you're probably right there. All right, uh, I've got a couple casting what ifs. Oh, boy. I'm looking forward to hearing this. (laughs) The original story that was written, uh, which was envisioned by Lauren Michaels, would have featured Rob Lowe as Farley's brother and primary screen partner. 
After David Spade was brought on board as second billing, Lowe was moved to the villainous role of, you know, Farley's stepbrother. And I actually read that um, Rob Lowe is not credited in this movie. I'm, I guess, I'm actually skipping ahead here. But if you look in the credits of the movie, Rob Lowe is not in there. There was some oh. dispute with his the company that he was uh, under, and I don't know. They, it was a long thing where they weren't sure he was going to be able to do the movie, and then he did come on board, but it was kind of against whatever his uh, acting company's <laughs> wishes. So he was never credited for that, and nobody caught it for like 10 years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, like, as far as fans, you know, coming up with, hey, he's not credited in the movie. Um that was kind of interesting. There's a pretty cool uh, article from Film School Rejects. It's kind of the oral history of uh, Tommy Boy and I, where I got uh, some of these facts and what-ifs and stuff. And during, uh, according to Peter Segal, the director from this Film School Rejects history, at one point during production, the scheduling conflicts between Rob Lowe almost forced him to drop out of the film, and this resulted in the filmmakers holding impromptu auditions while the movie was already filming for Rob Lowe's part. Holy cow. Matthew McConaughey was one of the actors who auditioned. Ooh. <laughs> well, that's interesting. And, and then eventually Lowe's scheduling conflicts were resolved, and he was able to uh, appear. But Matthew McConaughey in Rob Lowe's role. I could see that. I could see that, yeah. <laughs> I could see that. I mean, it's a minor role. It, it's not going to change the movie really in, in any way. So yeah, that that's, it's not a bad swap actually. Mm-hmm. And I saved the best for last Helen, the waitress, you know, when they're in the diner and Tommy wants his wingies, they actually tagged Roseanne to play her Roseanne wow. Barr. Uh, but she had scheduling conflicts that kept from, uh, her doing the part. And actually, I'm glad because, yeah. That scene would have become about Roseanne then. And the transformation of Tommy into learning how to sell wouldn't have been as profound or stuck out as much if he was doing it in the scene that also featured Roseanne Barr. Hmm. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. I mean, it'd be cool to see Roseanne in this movie, but I think that scene is good the way it is because you, you, you need uh, just what they've done in that. A visually striking waitress you know kind of for all the wrong reasons but a visually striking waitress nonetheless but yeah you don't want somebody still in that scene or make you know <laughs> well it's it's kind of hard to steal that scene when he's going through that jojo the circus boy routine <laughs> it is but, st but still you'd be like hey you remember tommy boy roseanne was in that yeah yeah you know that was true your brain would gravitate that way i can see that i can see that um, all right. That's all I have for the what ifs as far then, as well, hold on, hold on. let's make up some of our own. Okay. If what you, you got? If you could change any, is there anybody that you would change? Like, and this is an example. I love Dan Aykroyd in this movie. He's great. I think he would have been perfectly interchangeable with Bill Murray in that role and Bill Murray, you know, Dan Aykroyd lent a, a bit of seriousness to that role that Dan, that uh, Bill Murray might not have, but I would like to have seen the exchanges between Bill Murray and Chris Farley in those two roles, you know, uh, just some of the Maybe. stuff like that. Maybe he got that Chicago accent or whatever down though. You know, 
yeah, I made car parts for the American working man. And that's who I am. And that's who I care about. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else really interchangeable out of there. Uh, that, the point you just made though, I, I like, I very much like Brian Dennehy in that role. Cause he was kind of larger than life and yeah. that worked great. And then after he passes away and having everybody else supporting more or less Tommy as the main character throughout the rest of that part, it's great that there was no other big name actors or, or you know, huge actors in there that would be a scene stealer, like you said. Right. So, you know, I don't know. Um, the, the girl played Michelle. I don't remember her being in anything else. Yeah, I had thought about that, too. Like, maybe they could have got some young actress on the rise, good looking, whatever to play that role. But then just what we've already talked about. Well, you don't want to make it about her. That's right. That's <laughs> you right. Don't yeah. want, you don't want these 15 year olds watching the movie and being like, Oh man, you got to go see this movie. It's got such and such in it. She's so hot. You know, <laughs> right, you right. want them going out and saying, you got to see this movie. Tommy boy is hilarious. I agree. All right. We well, want to go on to the unanswered questions or flaws in the movie that you picked up. Um, the only thing that I could pull out was the uh, when Rob Lowe does the trick on the computer and changes the shipping, you know, and at the end of the movie, when they're in the boardroom there signing over the company and all that, they'd say, coming soon, computer fraud. Well, how did they determine? I guess they could, they essentially put one and one together that, hey, he was in there in the office and he probably screwed with the computer, but how could you prove that? You know, they didn't really. Yeah didn't really explain that anymore, which wasn't a big deal, but that's the only thing I could think of. Well, I've got a big unanswered question. Uh Uh-huh. So the beginning premise of the movie, as we find out is, uh, Rob Lowe and Bo Derek's characters are actually married. And this is all a scam to get in with big Tom. Mm -hmm. And then it's awfully convenient that at the freaking wedding, he bites the bullet and dies. Was the illusion supposed to be that they somehow, killed him or <laughs> because otherwise their plan could take 20, 30 years to come to fruition. Right. You know what I mean? And right. It's just very convenient that he dies the day of the wedding and she suddenly inherits all this money and company. They never go there and even allude to the fact that maybe they spiked his drink or something. Did they? I mean, no, they, I think there's a scene shortly after when the, the big reveal happens that they're, kissing each other with their tongue as Michelle says um, that they were like it was too bad he didn't leave any cash we just kind of caught him off guard so it wasn't like they spiked his drink or uh, essentially killed him or that maybe that was the plan down the road or something to first establish that and then come back in later but that's a good point that's a good point I never thought of that scene you're talking about they find out he didn't leave any cash and it catches them by surprise that just leads more credence to my question like okay we're gonna kill this sob and they do and then they find out you mean he didn't leave what do you mean he didn't leave any cash yeah (laughs) what what is this company's failing yeah they thought they would have i guess done their homework a little bit more or something too but maybe he let on that the the company was fine and all that you know well you know he probably did because he was 100% behind his new brake pad division. He knew it was going to save the company mm-hmm. or he probably didn't look at, he probably didn't even look at it as his company was failing. 
He's just tied everything up into what's going to make his company even bigger. You know, your great businessmen never have any doubt about what they're doing like that. So, yeah, he probably thought he probably did explain the company to her that here, listen to me going on about what this dead fictional character may or may not have done. But <laughs> right, right. I, I can just see like, yeah, you know, the company's going to be bigger than ever. That's right. I was looking at the trailer. You know, a lot of times you'll see trailer only scenes and poses some questions of, you know, what could happen to bridge the scene together with this other scene. But there was no other, all the scenes in the trailer were obviously in the movie <laughs> based on the fact that they were shooting as they went almost on some of the stuff. But there was one deleted scene I did see that was uh, Tommy. It's the beginning sequence there where he's right after the little Tommy, you know, and he's trying to get to class at college and he barrels through a parking lot trying to get to class and he's hitting cars and alarms are going off and flipping over hoods. And it's pretty funny that scene itself. But, uh, yeah, I didn't see any other tidbits like that to tip me off on some other stuff. Like we had talked about when we were doing planes, trains and automobiles. And there's a bunch of trailer only scenes for that movie. Um, the next incarnation of the film, we talk about, should it be have a sequel? Should it be rebooted? Would it be a, a good series? Any thoughts there as far as how to reincarnate it almost? Well, and I'm pretty sure you feel the same way. They kind of already did when they done Black Sheep. Yeah. They took the, the same two types of characters and just give them different names and put them in a different setting. And Lord knows if Chris Farley had lived longer than he did, we would have probably got this iteration of characters more times than that. We'd yeah. have probably had four or five David Spade, Chris Farley tandem movies. Do you think we would have uh, got Tommy Boy 2 if he was still alive? I don't know. I mean, because the way they ended that movie, they were good friends by the end. Tommy had proved his worth. The company was fine. I don't know what you do as a direct sequel to Tommy Boy, which, again, they ended up making Black Sheep maybe for lack of an idea for a Tommy Boy 2. Could have been. Yeah, I had right down in my notes. I'm, I always view Black Sheep as a sequel. And this is Tommy Boy's a movie in this era of remakes that I don't know how you remake this because it's like, are we really going to try to remake The Godfather and not have Marlon Brando and Al Pacino and Robert De Niro playing those roles? Right. It's the same thing for a for a just a mid '90s basic comedy. Chris Farley's Tommy Boy is so iconic that nobody could pull it off and make you not think of Chris Farley. That's right. And just the whole premise of like sales on the road, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's a dying <laughs> business. You You're know, right. everything's, everything's done through email over the phone in conference calling and FaceTime and all that stuff, you know, but you know, that's in a, saying that's a dying that, business in saying that, if the sequel was made today, you know, if we could change time and Chris Farley was still here, that in of itself would probably be a great hook for another Tommy boy where Tommy can't sell unless he's in person. And in the modern age with digital, the company <laughs> is failing and he, Richard thinks it's a bad idea, but Tommy's like, Richard, I've got to go see these people face to face. And they take another road trip in oh, modern yeah. time. If we had Chris Farley to do it, 
that's a hook for another movie almost identical to the first one, just new modern gags, sight yeah. gags thrown. That's what I somebody actually else, go ahead. For somebody else to try to step in to one of those roles and remake it or make a sequel. I just I, I don't see how it's possible. That's actually what I had written down as could this work as a Netflix series? And that was what I wrote down. Tommy's sales trips. You you do an episode around this trip to here and this trip to here, and you get a an opening episode of them leaving and a ending episode of him, you know, wrapping up the whole sales trip. Mm-hmm. I could see something like that happening, if not like what you were saying, doing a sequel where hey, it's you know, whatever. Several years later, the company's failing again and let's do what we did to get this company rejuvenated, which was go and do a road trip and meet them face to face. I like that. I I like that a lot. But I mean, if it, if I was going to say, should they go and do it or leave it alone? I would lean more towards just leave it alone. Right. Yeah. Me too. For this one. There's a lot of movies we're going to talk about that. I think that they would be able to redo or whatever. This is not one of them. Right. All right. Buckle in. It's time for the, did you know part of the podcast? All right. I've got a lot here. Working titles for Tommy Boy included Billy the Third, a Midwestern, XL, and Fat Chance. <laughs> I think that's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, Fat Chance is pretty good. The uh, shooting title for the movie was Rocky Road. Oh, well, that's uh, not bad either. No, no. I like Fat Chance. <laughs> I thought that was but, You know, the, Billy the Third, I don't like. But just the term, a Midwestern. That's got some legs to it for something mm-hmm. else sometime mm-hmm. down the road. All right. Uh, did you know Chris Farley's father owned an oil company in Madison, Wisconsin called Scotch Oil Company, and Chris's first job was working with his father when he graduated from college? Wow. He is able <laughs> to throw a little personal experience behind That's him. That's right. I wonder if he did that uh, fan trick in his when he got his office. <laughs> I have. Uh, most of the movie was actually shot in Ontario, Canada. Now, obviously, the uh, Chicago scenes, you know, when they're in front of the buildings and stuff, that wasn't Ontario. You could tell that was Chicago. But even the road tripping and all that, they shot that all outside of Ontario. <laughs> Did you know that Big Tom's pre-wedding speech was improvised? Really? Yeah. Well, Brian so, Denny, he's a master, so. He is, man. I really like him a lot as an actor. <laughs> There's a nice little illusion there when Bo Derek's character comes out of the pool and mm-hmm. Tommy says to Big Tom, Whoa, Dad, she's like a 10. You know? <laughs> of course, she and Denny both wow, are in the movie 10. Is that for me? No, son. That's for me. That's for me. <laughs> <laughs> um. I was trying to find a direct correlation for this, but uh, Tommy Boy and the 1994 horror film Wes Craven's New Nightmare are dedicated to art director Greg Fonseca, who died eight months before the release of Tommy Boy. I couldn't see that he was credited with anything for Tommy Boy. He was, I believe, the art director for New Nightmare. But, um, yeah, at the, in the credits, he's the, the film is dedicated to him. Hmm. Um. Although Rob Lowe stayed in the picture after Spade's hire, 
he actually never got screen credit for his work. This is what we talked about before. During a concurrent role on ABC's miniseries adaptation of The Stand by Stephen King, Lowe was forced by contract to keep his name off the Farley movie entirely. Lowe now jokes that it took about 15 years, I'm sorry, not 10, for the public to notice this oddity. So that's interesting. So he wanted to do the movie, got paid for the movie, but his contract, for whatever reason, just wouldn't let him be credited as doing right. the movie. That's weird. Very weird. <laughs> I thought this was fun. And here's an here's an uh, unanswered question for you. David Spade refused to let the film's hairstylist work on his hair. He wanted to maintain a naturally unkept hairdo in keeping with the nature of his character. Hmm. The, the unanswered question is, why was he bald at, like, age 25. <laughs> what was that with the, when that fan kicks on and his hair goes back, you tell anybody and I will never speak to you again or whatever he says. Oh, yes. just, Richard <laughs> thinks he's perfect and that's his tragic flaw. But. Yeah. In his memoir, David Spade spoke about how Farley would often become infatuated with cool bad boy actors. He befriended Christian Slater who played one of the kids during a classic Matt Foley sketch and started slicking his hair back the day after Slater hosted SNL. Rob hmm. Lowe wasn't credited in the movie, which made his villain's surprise introduction even more badass, but during the making of Tommy Boy, Farley got jealous when Spade hung out with Rob Lowe a couple times without him, and this led to some big angry outburst and became physical on the set, <laughs> with wow. uh, Chris even stepping on David Spade's hand. And this is coming out of that uh, article, that oral history I read from Film School Rejects. But, you know, apparently they loved each other like brothers, which means they fought like them, too. You know, <laughs> you know, the part about Chris Farley and the bad boy actors, he wanted to be John Belushi. And I guess he I don't I don't know why people gravitate toward mm-hmm the the bad things that the people are into but they emulate they want to emulate them so much and that was ultimately chris's downfall but that's right um i guess here i I didn't know that about you know it was more than just belushi it was these other guys that just makes perfect sense looking back on it though he's just easily influenced yeah well in what makes you a celebrity you know it's oh hey you're that funny guy you make me laugh and here's these other guys that I want to be like that are cool got the slick hair and drive the muscle cars and get all the girls you know yeah you can see the why you would become jealous of somebody like that in the in the industry did you know Kevin and John the middle and youngest of the three Farley brothers both appear in Tommy Boy during the wedding exception of Brian Dennehy and Bill Derrick's characters well, that's cool. I didn't know that. They are in there. Um, like Tommy Callahan, Chris Farley graduated from Marquette University. Oh. Uh, did you know? Okay. I I didn't get a chance to pause and, and kind of go through the list, but did you see some of Tommy's well-known classmates as he's checking his grade for his D+. Plus? The, you can see uh, in there, there's Helen Keller. <laughs> There's uh, a person named Debbie, comma, Little, as in Little Debbie, <laughs> and Michael Jackson. They're in that list. If you stop and look at the list that's uh, posted there. Oh, <laughs> well, that's cool, too. Oh, my God. I passed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. You're going to like this. 
the production of the movie had four of the Plymouth GTXs and had to donate one to a deer farm for a month to get the only shot with a real deer, which is, you know, (laughs) at the, at the end when the thing is on top and it wanders off cameras and lights were hidden in bushes. A ramp was placed on the back of the far end of the car. So the deer could kind of hang out and get comfortable. And then they uh, essentially surprised the deer with the lights one night. <laughs> when This has all come from the director. When the deer was about to take a crap, which is how they got that shot, <laughs> the rest of the deer scenes were a combination of animatronics and one of the grips wearing deer skin and antlers. And <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's crazy to think about. But yeah. So that scene, in essence, took a month. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. Part had to park one of those cars, you know, in the at the deer farm. <laughs> oh, I thought that was great. Um, all right, have you seen the movie Fifty First Dates with Adam Sandler? I think I have. I've I wasn't like Grant, so I probably don't remember much. Yeah, I'm not a big Drew Barrymore fan, but um, I have seen it. Uh, Chris Farley and David Spade were, of course, very close with Adam Sandler. And there's a Tommy Boy reference in Fifty First Dates when Drew Barrymore's character, her doctor, played by Dan Aykroyd, says the Brain Institute is funded by T.B. Callahan of Sandusky, Ohio. Oh, that's cool. And uh, as I mentioned before, the it was the same director for Fifty First Dates and Tommy Boy, Peter Seagal. Uh Shooting for Tommy Boy began in September of 1994, which meant Farley and Spade flew back and forth from Toronto to New York to appear in Saturday Night Live. According to Spade, they took a private jet shooting Tommy Boy on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and they'd fly back to New York for the SNL read-through and then back to Toronto that night to shoot the movie on Thursday. Then they go back to New York for SNL on Friday and Saturday. Spade said it worked for about a week. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if it, if that was just truly for that one week or if it was more, because you would think, you know, I don't know how many new episodes of SNL. Sometimes they skip a week here and there, you know, uh, during the season and they'll show a rerun. But yeah, that would be insane trying to shoot that and go back and forth. Um, I got two more left. According to David Spade, both he and Chris Farley ended up dating Lori Bagley, who played the naked woman at the pool. (laughs) (laughs) According to Spade, this caused some tension between them during the filming of Black Sheep in 1996. That's funny. In the motel room, on the TV in the background, is a preview for Naked Gun 33 and the Third, The Final (laughs) Insult, which was also directed by Peter Seagal. So, that is all I have for the facts uh, about the movie. Some pretty good, fun ones in there. I had not realized that there was some big fight. That's just crazy. Yeah, it is. And the fact <laughs> they both dated the chick from the pool. And that's, yeah, that's funny. We did solicit some uh, feedback from you guys, and we did get one that I could find from uh, our buddy Adam. Uh, he says, I have a story for Tommy Boy. So in high school, I had a friend who was equally obsessed with the movie. We both watched it on continuous loop for an entire summer and memorized all the dialogue. One time when we were at a party and things got boring, 
We just started performing the movie verbatim, trading off the parts of different characters. We got about 30 minutes in before the novelty wore off and our audience lost interest, but it was still a fun piece to perform live. (laughs) Wow. Adam is a renaissance man. You know, he he has done everything. I'm listening to his podcast the other day and he's talking about, well, I spent three years in Brazil and I'm like, wait, 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 what? (laughs) I caught that too. Yeah. Yeah. He can speak Uh, Portuguese. Yeah. Yeah. This, this man. Oh my God. Well, this show's not about him. We could do a whole show about Adam, but, uh, that's right. (laughs) This, yeah, he's a renaissance man. He can do anything. I can remember like performing scenes in my like college dorm room, you know, from Tommy Boy, from Ace Ventura, uh, some other select movies of the time, Dumb and Dumber, but never in front of us, like, you know, an audience or at a party or something. I take some guts there, but that's great. Uh, but yeah, we definitely uh, covet your feedback on these drive-in movies and, you know, tell us about the first time you saw them or just even if it's your favorite scene or a quote from the movie you use a lot, you know, we just, we talked about how many quotes that we use from this movie, but would love to get your feedback as we are releasing these episodes. And then just real quick, I did say, uh, and I can post these up in the show notes, probably on Patreon, uh, a link to that film school rejects history article with the director and I think one of the associate producers that was really good. And then there's a fun behind the scenes documentary on YouTube. It's called Tommy boy behind the laughter. And that was really fun to watch and to get everybody's take. I can't remember exactly when that was added. It was probably a a DVD feature, you know, uh, maybe for that 10th anniversary release or something. But, um, that was really fun to go through. And there is a, an outtakes reel that's about six or seven minutes on YouTube. That's really fun. Uh, it, basically, Tommy, uh, Chris Farley is, what do you call that thing where they, this is scene one, take two, go. And they, you know, chop that little thing down. The clapper. I don't know. What, yeah. He would, every time, he would be the one that would have that thing. And he would do it, and he would pretend to like, you know, catch his nose or catch a finger. Or <laughs> he would do, he would do something crazy, and then get into character real quick, and then do the scene. So that was really fun. If you go watch the outtakes, I'll put that uh, a link to that as well uh, on Patreon. So this was fun, man. Tommy Boy. Oh gosh, it was such a great comedy surprise. Really, it didn't perform higher like you said uh, overall that year I, I didn't i meant to look up and see where it was on the box office you know for the whole year i, I want to say maybe in the 30s well Tommy like was one of those movies where it surprised people and then the word of mouth pumped it up mm-hmm. but you know, we live in a different age now than we did then and just going back to what i said earlier the way the word of mouth about this movie got around it's like oh it's so funny you got to watch it got to watch it i would have just thought that the follow-up with Black Sheep would have went above and beyond because of the positive press that Tommy Boy got. Okay, we know Chris Farley from Saturday Night Live. Now he's burst on the scene in this movie. This is a big comedy hit. It was super funny. He's got something new coming out. We've got to see it. I'm just surprised it didn't do better than it did off the heels of Tommy Boy. Yeah, definitely agree with that. But yeah, we've got uh, one movie down from my list, and you're up next, man. Uh, for February, 
What are you uh, leaning towards pulling off your list? I think we will do Kevin Costner's Waterworld from 1990. Oh, my God. I'm guessing <laughs> that's the movie on your list you weren't on my list that you weren't excited about, wasn't it? No. <laughs> uh, I have... I don't know. I've seen it a, a couple times over the years. Mainly, I, I think it was later. It wasn't like around the time that it came out. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about that movie that I'm like, wow, it's out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen it, too. I Probably, I don't know, what year is this? Probably 15, 20 years since I watched it. <laughs> oh, good. It'll give you an excuse to, to relive it with new eyes. Yeah, yeah, you know, maybe I might like it better from what I remember. But what? Why did you uh, put that on the list? Just I'm not trying to get in spoil the uh, the upcoming podcast or anything. But well, mainly because the nature of the show that we're doing, it has such an interesting backstory to the making of the movie. For one thing, it was critically panned. I mean, it was a famous movie in '95. It it was really looked forward to. And then most people felt really disappointed by it after the fact. I, mm-hmm. I thought it was an okay movie myself, but it was one of the uh, most hyped movies of 95. And if we're going back and doing these movies 25 years later, encompassing not just the movie itself, but the time around it, Waterworld is, is a great pick because there was so much hype leading up to it. At least in my world, there was. I don't know about you, but... It's like everybody here was talking about it. Want to go see Waterworld. Got to go see Waterworld. And then everybody the week later was like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> what did you do I, last weekend? Oh, I saw Waterworld. <laughs> I remember the marketing being up there. And I think there was even some stuff maybe at McDonald's or one of those places with the movie. And that just kind of piqued my interest. But I don't think it was enough to go see it in the theater. And then, you know, once it came around the cable, I was like, okay, let's give it a try. But I'll go back and watch it just for Dennis Hopper, man. I love Dennis Hopper. Mm-hmm. So that's, that, that would be enough to alone to get me to fire it up. But I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how I look at it now versus what I did back then. It'll be fun. Yeah. But that'll be our next episode. So people can. Right. Sure, if you're here on Patreon, listen to this. I was going to say, make sure you bookmark it, but you already know where it's at because you're paying for <laughs> it. So right. I'm sure you're not going to lose the link. That's right. That's right. But make sure you leave your thoughts too. I'm sure there's going to be some polarizing thoughts about Waterworld. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there will be. There will be. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that, man. For February, thank you guys so much for again being part of uh, Patreon supporting us over there and uh, listening to our Tommy Boy episode as we kick off Drive-In 95. So for now, we are going to close up the drive-in and hope you guys had a great time. Any other thoughts or comments or anything about Tommy Boy you want to throw in there, feel free once we release the episode. And uh, be looking for Waterworld in February. And we will see you next time on the drive-in. Been a fun time, Mick. Yep. Yep.